We're in lesson nine today, looking at 1 Samuel and progressing our way through. We're up to chapter 17, and we're going to talk about really all of chapter 17 today, where it's, which for most of you is a well-known passage. You've learned about it in Sunday school. You've probably seen a movie about it, uh, David and Goliath. And we're going to talk about Goliath today. And so as normal, we're not going to read uh, the chapter for you. We encourage you to read it on your own. But we are going to go through it so that you understand what's going on here and give you a few things for you to think about. And we're going to wrap it up when we come to uh, verse 58. This is a significant event for David. Of course, it happens at the beginning when he is a young man. Now, I need you to understand, sometimes in Sunday school, we think of David as being just a boy, a preteen or something, a shepherd boy killing this giant. It's very possible that David may very well have been a late teen, early in his early 20s, but you say it says he was a youth. Well, their concept of youth is different than our concept of youth. Their concept of youth has to do with the reality of being married. And at this point, he wasn't married yet. And you kind of think that it's maybe towards his late teens, early 20s, because soon after this, he is involved as a warrior for Saul. So we're going to take a look at this passage today and look at several things. So the first thing you're going to focus on is really the first part of chapter 17, which again talks about really the Philistines coming to battle Israel, which obviously was a continual thing. These were two nations that were fighting each other. And so we're going to see that in chapter 17. So the first thing I want you to notice is this, that the Philistines' armies gathered for battle in Judah. So what happened is, is basically they invaded Judah and were situated as such to attack Saul, okay? Now Saul and his armies of Israel gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, the passage tells us. So what he does is, is he gathers all of Israel together, the men of Israel to fight, and he then camps in the valley of Elah. Now, the passage makes it very clear that the opposing armies faced each other on opposite mountains with a valley between them. So the opposing armies, one was on one mountain, the other was on another mountain, and there was a valley in between them. And that valley in between them is probably where they would come down and fight with each other and fight together. Now the text goes on to tell us about the champion Goliath. So the focus now switches from the fact that the two armies are meeting together in Judah and now it's going to focus on something we've not seen before from the Philistines but it's very evident here. So a champion went out from the Philistine army whose name was Goliath from Gath. So what happens is, is typically in that day, they had various means of deciding battles. So in this instance, I'll explain to you what's happening here in a moment. But here comes this champion. Okay, so this is probably a premier warrior. 
comes out and his name is Goliath and he's from one of the Philistine cities called Gath. Now, if you pay attention, I gave you a map there. I want you to look at the situation. This is not all of Israel, but this is part of Israel. And what we're going to see is the area within the green boundary towards the Mediterranean Sea is Philistia. That's where the Philistines were. And there were five cities which had their own lords. And of course, there's Gaza, Ashkelon, Ashdod, Akron, and Gath. Okay, and so Goliath is from Gath. Jerusalem is posted there simply for you to be aware of where it is in its location. Beersheba is shown to you because that is the southernmost part of, uh, of Israel. And oftentimes you'll see in the text where it says from Dan to Beersheba. Now, Goliath's height was, the scripture says, six cubits and a span. Or, if you're ready for this, about nine feet, nine inches. That's how tall he was. Now, you and I typically don't see people that tall. We might see a tall basketball player, watch a tall basketball player in the NBA or a college hoops, but we typically have never seen somebody nine feet, nine inches. Well, was he a giant, George? No, no, he was a human being. He was a Philistine. How did he get that big? Well... Scholars and some scientists believe that what's going on here is, is that he suffered from a problem with his pituitary gland. We're going to see that a little bit later where some of the folks who are related to Goliath had six fingers and six toes. This again signifies that there was a pituitary gland problem. So probably in this guy's family, they had a problem with giantism. And that comes from a pituitary gland situation. And so his height was about nine feet, nine inches. Now, the scripture tells us that he was fully armored in bronze and had a bronze javelin. So when you read there, it's been several verses, at least three verses, I think, telling you about the various parts of his armor. It's basically telling you this guy is a warrior. And he is really outfitted for battle. And he's outfitted in bronze. And he has a bronze javelin. Now, in ancient times, remember I mentioned to you, they had various ways of, of uh, determining how battles were won. So in ancient times, battles were often determined by a battle between opposing champions. And what they thought was back then is that rather than have both armies clash, they would present a champion who would represent each side. And whichever champion won, then that army won, and the other side was the loser and would have to pay the price for that. And so this is it's kind of called like representative battle, and so that's what's going on here is Goliath is their champion, and he wants to meet someone in battle on the battlefield to determine the victory. Goliath issued a challenge for Israel to select a champion to meet him in battle. We see that. So he set the terms by stating that the losing side 
would become the victor's servants. So he sets the terms for the victory. He says, if you guys win, then we'll become your servants. But if we win, you will become our servants. So he's setting the terms for the battle here between champions. But he goes one step further here, and this is the problem that is what the scripture wants us to notice. Goliath then defied the armies of Israel to give him a champion to fight in the battle. Now, here's what I want you to see. When he defies the armies of Israel, ultimately who he is defying is God. He's defying the God of Israel. Because ultimately, you and I know, because we've been told many times as we've gone through this Old Testament survey, that it is God who fights for Israel. It is God who gives them the victory. So when he is defying the armies of Israel, he's ultimately defying the God of Israel, the God of the universe. Now, when all of this happens, it's amazing to see what's going on here. Saul and all of Israel were demoralized. Scripture says they were dismayed. It means they were demoralized. They basically had the strength sapped out of them. They were like shocked at what was going on. And they were overwhelmed with fear. So they were afraid. Of course they would be. Nine foot tall, nine inch guy heading up to ten. Fully armored, champion, issuing a decree, come and fight me. And they know that they can't beat him. So they're demoralized. What do they do? This is not a typical situation where they are fighting. Now, the scripture then moves to chapter 17, verse 12, and it moves, the shift in the story happens now to focus on David. So what it does, it starts off by telling you and I that Jesse, of course, had lots of sons, which David was the youngest, and he tell, the scripture tells us that he was very old, okay? Very old, probably towards the end of his life. And here's what I want you to see. The scripture also tells us that David's three older brothers had followed Saul to battle the Philistines. So they followed Saul. When the call went out, they submitted to the call and went to fight the Philistines. The writer states that David would periodically, now just so you and I understand what's going on here, remember we found out last week that David was sent to play music for Saul whenever he entered into these fits of being tormented by an evil spirit, he would play music for him. Well, the writer states that David would periodically leave Saul's service and return to his father. And when he returned to his father, he returned to his father to feed the sheep or tend the sheep, okay? Tend the sheep. Now, I want you to understand this is a significant point. We'll talk about this point a little bit later when we get into the passage because you and I are going to wonder what's going on here with this text. And so we'll see that a little bit later as we get moving through the passage. The writer also pointed out that the Goliath issued the challenge twice a day for 40 days. 
So for 40 days, Goliath would come out in the morning, issue the challenge, defying the, the armies of Israel, send him a champion, and then he would come out in the evening or towards the evening, issue the same challenge, defying the armies of Israel for 40 days. So these armies are located on this mountain. This situation is going on for more than a month, for almost a month and a half. Now, it gets back to David and his father, Jesse. Jesse sent David with supplies to check on his brother, on his brothers, so that he can get a report about them. So here's what he does. He sends out David, loads him up with supplies for the boys, but not just the boys, it says for the captain of the army, and find out how the brothers are doing and come back and tell me. This is not when they had cable news. This is not when they had smartphones to get, where you can get up-to-date, as-it's-happening news. News filtered in, and so Jesse, obviously concerned for his boys, wants to know what's going on, so he sends David with supplies, a gift for the captain, bring me back some news. Now, the text then shifts to tell us that, of course, he goes, he finds his brothers, and while David talked with his brothers, Goliath appeared to issue his challenge. So you kind of see the scene. There they are in their lines waiting to do battle. David shows up with the supplies. Hey, how's it going? Talks to his brothers, keeps, lets them know how dad's doing. He wants to know how they're doing. And while this is going on, of course, it's either in the morning or in the evening because he's only doing it twice a day. Here comes Goliath making his challenge. David witnessed that the men of Israel were scared and fled from Goliath. So wherever he showed up on the line, the guys from Israel, they just fled. They took off. They disappeared. They were afraid. So David is witnessing this, okay? David is witnessing this. And as the men discussed Goliath, David inquired what would happen to the man who killed Goliath. So as this is going on, and of course everybody's going to be talking about there's that big guy, you know, he's making the challenge. David, of course, this is all new to him, is asking, okay, well, what does the guy get who kills him? What's the reward for him? What's the bonus? What happens to the guy who kills Goliath? Okay? Now, the one who killed Goliath, they said, would receive the king's daughter, riches, and an exemption from taxes. Wow, what a bonus. So he's getting three things here. The guy who kills Goliath, he's going to receive, first of all, riches. That means he's going to be really, he's going to get lots of money. He's going to get the king's daughter. You're like, oh, he doesn't even know. That's how they operated back then. The king's daughter, so that the king would give his daughter, basically saying, I've got this champion as my son-in-law. And then the man who kills Goliath would be exempt from taxes. Not just taxes, but his family would be exempt from taxes. How would you like to, by taking care of one situation, be told you never have to worry about paying taxes again? 
What a reward. What a reward. Now, let's stop for a moment. It's interesting. Taxes have been around a long time, haven't they? Because here we are, folks, this is several thousand years ago. Guess what they did even back then? Taxed you. Taxes are a part of our lives. Now, David's older brother, Eliab. Remember Eliab? Eliab was the fellow that when Samuel first saw him at the feast, thought that he was the chosen one. Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. And of course, remember the Lord said to him, nope, that's not him. You look on the outward appearance, but I look on the heart. I reject him. Well, okay, so Eliab is one of the three brothers who's there to fight the Philistines. And, and David's older brother Eliab was irritated by David and rebuked him, rebuked him. Now, if you've got brothers or if you've got siblings, you understand, and especially a younger sibling, you understand what's going on here, especially if you're older. Sometimes the older siblings get irritated by the actions of the younger ones. And because their family, they tell you like it is. A poor person wouldn't necessarily do that. But if it's your sibling, you might. And of course, Eliab does that. He says, you're just here to see the battle. I mean, he's making a mockery out of David, rebuking him. But I think it's interesting. The text tells us that David brushed off Eliab's accusation and he continued to inquire about Goliath. Now, when we say inquire here, he's also saying that Goliath can be taken care of. He's also making the point that this guy can be taken care of. Why is nobody doing it? Okay? Why is nobody doing it? Now, when we come to chapter 17, verse 31 to 39, we're going to see now Saul's interaction with David. Okay? Saul's interaction with David. Somebody reported David's words to Saul, and he was brought before the king. So obviously somebody heard that, that David's going around encouraging the men, telling them that somebody could, the Lord can kill this giant. This is not a problem. That gets back to Saul, and Saul says, I want to talk to this guy. Bring me this boy. David, when he appears before him, tells Saul that he will go and fight with the Philistine. That's a pretty bold thing. I mean, you've got to admit that David has some sort of courage, stand before the king, hey king, I'm the man, I'll take care of it. I'll go deal with this guy, okay? I'll go deal with this guy. Now, okay, by this time, we're not talking about a younger Saul now. Saul's a little bit older now. He's a warrior. He's a king. And he's looking at this boy or young man who basically was a shepherd. And he, he kind of decides uh, that's not happened. So Saul objects. You, you can't. This guy's a man of war from his youth. David lists his accomplishment. He goes on then and basically states what he has killed, the bear and so forth. And as he states that Goliath will be defeated as well. So he lists his accomplishments as he states that Goliath will be defeated as well. Now, David also proclaimed, because this is the point you and I've got to understand, David also proclaimed that the Lord will deliver Goliath into his hand. 
Now, so I think this is a good thing that you're going to see here from David. David, yes, he was able to do these things as he was tending for his father's sheep. But he gives credit where credit belongs. Just as the Lord gave me victory over this, the Lord will give me victory over Goliath. So he's giving credit where the credit is due. He's saying, God is with me. God's going to be the one to take care of of him. Now I want you to notice something. Up until this point in the story, the narrator is pointing out that when you look at from the very first challenge of Goliath, up until this point, even when the men are talking among themselves and being fearful, David is the one who believes that God will take care of this giant. God will take care of this giant, okay? And he's just simply a vehicle. He's just simply a vehicle. So Saul permitted David to go and clothe him in his armor. All right, you go take care of him. Here, you can wear my armor, okay? You can wear my armor to take care of him. Okay, but the text tells us that, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, but the text goes forward and says to you that David rejected the armor since it was too restrictive to his movements. So he puts on the armor, but it's too big for him because Saul's a big man, and he can't move in it, let alone fight in it. So he rejects the armor, rejects the armor. So now we come to chapter 17, verse 40 to 54, and this is where we see the confrontation. This is where we see David confront Goliath. And it's an amazing story. You know the story. But we'll go through some points here just to point out a few things. So with his shepherd's staff, David carried a sling, which is, was a weapon in that day. But this is what he used as a shepherd to protect the sheep. And he chose five smooth stones to meet Goliath. So he goes down to the valley to where Goliath is. He's got his shepherd's staff. He's got his sling. He picks up five smooth, smooth stones, puts them in his little bag and shepherd's bag, and he goes down to meet Goliath. Now, of course, you remember now, this is a battle that is to be determined by champions. So what you would do is you would choose this champion, have that champion come together, fight, and the best champion wins. So that's what's going on here. This is a battle that is to be determined by champions. So here is this nine-foot, nine-inch giant of a man, fully armored warrior, issuing the challenge, bring me forth your best warrior, and out comes a boy of about, probably in his late teens, early 20s, shepherd boy, not armored, carrying his shepherd's staff and a sling. That's their best. Now, can I be honest with you? If you think about that, that also communicates something to the Philistines. It's basically an insult that's happening here. So Goliath was offended by David's challenge and cursed him by the Philistine God. So just the fact that David be, would be the one to be sent 
that would be very offensive. That's almost like saying, yeah, you may be nine feet, nine inches tall and big warrior and stuff, but we're sending out to you a shepherd boy. He's going to take care of you. You see how God is working here? God, Scripture tells us, confounds the wise with his choice of people, with what he chooses to use. He makes foolish the wisdom of this age. And we see that happening here in this passage. So Goliath proclaimed that he will feed David's body to the birds and the animals. Basically a nice way of saying, I'm going to kill you. You're going to lay around here dead. And the birds, the vultures are going to eat on you as well as all the other animals. That's basically the point that he's making here. That he's making here. But then notice, this is how David responds. So that would be pretty intimidating. I'll just be honest with you. Here you are, all you got is a staff, a sling with five stones. You go out and there's this big, huge guy clothed in bronze with a javelin, ready to kill you, says he's going to kill you, he's going to feed your body to the birds. And so David proclaimed that he was coming against Goliath in the name of the Lord. He was coming against Goliath in the name of the Lord. In fact, let me read to you what it says here. He goes on and he says here, verse 45, David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. So, Basically said, hey, you're coming at me with all your military hardware. I'm coming at you with God whom you defied. Whom you defied. So David proclaimed that the Lord will give him victory over the Philistines. So he basically says, you know what? Today, I'm going to have victory over the Philistines. And you said you're going to feed my body. I'm going to feed all of your bodies to the birds. And that would be a testimony. This would be a testimony that there is a God in Israel. So basically he said, by what happens here today, people are going to know that it was the Lord that did this. It was the Lord that did this. Now, I want to stop for a moment because I think we got to get things in perspective. This is a very popular story to be told. And I've heard messages. I've heard messages in youth groups. I've heard, I know it's taught in our Sunday school and everything. And, and sometimes, can I be honest with you, the young man, the youth, David, really, he, he is a key factor here. But sometimes we portray him as being the mighty man 
When in reality, the key hero in this passage, and David is even telling us this, is God. God used a youth, a shepherd youth, young man, late teens, early 20s, with nothing more than a staff and five stones to kill a giant. God did it. This is the point of the passage. God is the one who gave the victory here. Sometimes we look at our human selves and we think we're it. No, no, God is the one who gave the victory here. And this would be a testimony, and David's got it right. Notice something. David's not saying, then you'll see that I am the man. Remember, I've been anointed to be king. He doesn't even bring any of that up. This would be a testimony that there's a God in Israel, that God is in control. So then it goes on with the very first stone. David struck Goliath in the forehead with the stone and then beheaded him with a sword. It kind of tells you in the passage that he hit him in a stone. It sunk into his head. That probably knocked him down. David then runs up, takes his sword, beheads him, takes off his head. To the shock of everyone else. Totally amazing. Totally amazing what God did there. Totally blows your mind. So seeing Goliath defeated by David, the Philistines fled as they were pursued by Israel. So what happens is, is the Philistines now become demoralized. They've been resting in that they got this champion. He's big. He's going to do it. Well, that guy gets taken out just like that by a little stone hitting him in the head. And they become fearful panic and run and the Israelis go right after him the Israelites go right after him and dispatch them and chase them away Israel then after they had pushed them back out of Judah plundered the Philistine camp and the text tells us that David took Goliath's armor David took Goliath's armor now when we come to verses 55 through 58, this is where there sometimes is some confusion and sometimes some controversy. Because what happens in 55 and 58, well, we see it here. Saul inquired concerning the identity of David, and Abner did not know. So right off the bat, Saul is asking, what family is this man from? What family is this boy from? So what the controversy today is, is, well, shouldn't Saul have known who he was because David's been playing music for him? Shouldn't he know all the information? Why is he inquiring of this? Does that mean that the, this is just simply books put together and uh, this is just a story and the story of him playing music for Saul was another story, but they're not connected? Is there, is there some question here concerning the text and whether this is valid? Okay, yes, if you're reading it that way, yes, but you need to understand some things. If you pause for a moment, you might consider some things. The text already told us what's going on here. Remember earlier in the text, it said that David would periodically leave Saul's service 
and go and feed his father's sheep. Now, I'm just going to help you to understand something. Probably the chances are is that David wasn't the only person playing music for Saul. Because if he was, he probably wouldn't be allowed to leave. Because it makes it very clear that Saul was tormented continually by an evil spirit. So he would get into these fits occasionally. Probably more often. And so they probably had a bunch of people there to play music for him, to soothe them, of which David was one. Now, when you think about it, it's a court situation. And when you're in that situation and you're the king, you may not be aware of everybody and every situation and know all of the details about who's working for you. You may know their name. You may know a little bit about them, but you don't know all of the details. And I think that's significant here. So there's two possibilities of what's going on here in this passage. The first one is that simply Saul maybe just didn't really know David, and so he's trying to inquire, who's this boy from? There's a second possibility, and I kind of lean towards this view, is that remember the reward for killing Goliath? The boy would be exempt, excuse me, would receive treasures. His family would then be exempt from what? Taxes. And then he would also receive the king's daughter. So I have a tenant, I, I kind of view, hold to the view that is presented that Saul's inquiring as to the family background of David. Because he's going to be giving his daughter to him. Do I really want to give my daughter to him? And then some would say, well, he's got to find out whose family is exempt from taxes. So you can see some possibilities there. So it's not that big of a controversy here. Next thing you see is, is that David was presented to Saul with Goliath's head in his hand. I know that seems like, are you kidding me? Yes, but that is the way they did things back then. And so David shows up with, the, with Goliath's head in his hand, presents it to the king, showing the victory. Saul again asked David which family he came from, and David replied, Jesse of Bethlehem. So basically he says, okay, what family are you from? Where are you from? And he says, my father's name is Jesse, he's from Bethlehem, and so the inquiry is made. So then we come to the end of chapter 17. Now, this is the positive experience that David has with Saul. When we get into chapter 18, it's going to start off somewhat positive because David begins to become popular. But David's rise to popularity creates a problem. And it creates a problem with Saul. And so basically, from chapter 17... Through the end of 1 Samuel, we're going to see the difficulty that David would have to go through because of Saul 
and before he would ultimately become king. 